morning is a little bit different. And I need to share that up front with you. If you have come here for the very first time, you have come at the perfect time. Because I'm going to be casting and sharing not just my vision, but the entire leadership's vision for where we're going as a church. And it fits with everything we've done over the last five years. Also, if you've come here, and I know for many people, this is the time of year, it's like new year, new me. How many of you started the diet plan? Come on. Haley, get that hand up. I know you did. Yeah, you started it, and you were going to finish it this year. You're going to do it. How many of you have started some type of Bible reading program, or you have started, I'm going to have a new spiritual year. Yes, thank you. You're going to begin to grow your faith in 2017. Now, here's the thing. I've been doing this long enough that I know, and you know too, that we can do that in January, and all of a sudden, February gets here, and like all our motivation is gone. And my goal is to share with you this morning how God can sustain you to become the new creation we read about in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if you know Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That you could believe he could actually change lives and make you into the person he desires you to be, that he could make our church into the church he's always desired it to be. And it's so fun for me, guys, because we've had this huge dream of a church that would reach all kinds of people all over the state of Indiana that would start a church planting network that wouldn't be about one church, but be about many churches all over the state and literally change a state for Jesus Christ. And each year we get to see that get closer and closer and closer. And so we're going to remember 2016 and we're going to talk about 2017. Here's the thing. Um, we got fewer time in between our services now. So they tell me I have to stay on time when I preach. So we're going to dive into the Bible. Is that cool? If, yeah, come on now. If you got a Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 16. We're going to look at two passages and it's talking about the same story in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 16 and again in Numbers chapter 11. Exodus chapter 16, and we've got this crazy story eventually, not about the Seahawks. Sorry to the Lions fans. I thought I saw the Havilands in here. Dude, I am sorry. Those refs are the worst, aren't they? They're just the worst. It was all the refs. But we're not talking about the Seahawks this morning in there when we're talking about the quail. You're going to see it in Exodus 16 and especially in Numbers chapter 11. Are you ready to study God's word together, church, this morning? Okay, I know. This is always a crazy service. Look at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim, who knows where that is, and came to the desert of Sin. Don't want to go there. It's not Vegas. It's another place, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. You remember the story, Right? If you're old school, I'll do the old school one first. If you're, if you're old school, remember Charlton Heston leads them out of Egypt into the promised land. You remember that? Or if you're new school, apparently Christian Bale did that a few years ago. I didn't really watch that one. But in fact, uh, Moses takes hundreds of thousands of Israelites, sees God part the Red Sea, has the 10 plagues happen before that. They're going to get to the promised land, and in their disobedience, because they listen to 10 guys, they don't go into the promised land that God promised them, and they'll be in the wilderness for 40 years. And it's while they're there that they begin to grumble. And it says this in verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. You ever see God show up in your life? 
And then you quickly forget it and you begin to complain about how he hasn't shown up again, right? Like the Israelites saw the Red Sea part. They saw him bring 10 plagues. They saw him lead them out of that land, do these miracles, and they get out there and they're grumbling, they're complaining, God, that's not good enough. We need some more stuff. Give us more. You been there? If you're an honest Christian this morning, the answer is yes. I've been there. You've been there. And they grumble. At verse 3, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. No food, got no water, don't have any new clothes. We don't read Deuteronomy. It actually says they wear the, pretty much the same clothes the whole time that they're out there. And yet God is going to sustain them and provide for him. And I want to ask this question as we talk about 2017, for you personally, for us as a church, do we realize how big he is? Do we realize how powerful he is? Do we realize how great he is? Do you realize he created the universe? Do you realize that he redeemed the universe? The question I want to ask you this year, is God enough? Is he enough? I'll say it again. Is God enough? I want you to remember this this morning. Is God enough? Is he enough for what you're facing? Is he enough to see your dreams accomplished in him? Is he enough to see you heal relationships and family issues and marriages? Is he enough for you to face that addiction this year? Is he enough to change the way you use your finances? Is he enough to carry our church to the next step to reach more people for Christ? Is he enough to not just raise the funds but actually plant churches that plant churches all over the state of Indiana? Is he enough? Is he strong enough? Is he powerful enough? Is he big enough? Does he love us enough? Does he care enough? I want to say yes. I want to show you in this passage where the Israelites, like you and me, begin to doubt and become fear-filled and begin to grumble that he shows up and he shows them he is more than enough. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, we just pause and we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit with us right now. Here in this room, people watching online, God, we pray that, man, you would just speak to us in a fresh way. Through this weird passage in Exodus and in Numbers, we pray you teach us that you are enough and that you would be enough with whatever we're facing right now, that you could see us on into completion as you talk about in Philippians 1.6. God, be enough, see us on to completion to become the men and women you created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen, amen. I gotta confess something to you guys. Um, so my son, he is almost eight years old. He's almost eight years old. Anybody have like a second grader out there? Anybody? Okay, then you identify with you. It's, it's tough. It's tough. But especially when your almost eight-year-old did not know how to ride a bike yet because I'm a bad father. Well, I won't take all of the credit. The reality was my son Jake learned how to ride a bike when he was three years old, and he loved it. He'd zoom around, and the first time he took the bike out, like most kids, he thought he could do it really easily, and so he started going really, really, really fast, and he flipped over the curb, and he went flying down, and then he hit the ground and skinned his knee. And like the good parents that my wife Lisa and I are, rather than running to help him up, we chuckled. 
just a little bit because the way he fell. Dude, if you were there, you'd have done it too, man. It was just a little bit fun. He got so upset that we chuckled that he hadn't gotten on a bike since. It's been almost five years. We are bad parents. Bad parents. And so I, we decided that's it. Christmas this year, one of the gifts we got to give him, we went to Walmart, found the bike that was on sale. We got that thing. We took it home, and he, he got to get the bike, and he was actually excited about it. So he took it out that first day. You remember like a week ago when it wasn't negative five, it was actually 55 degrees outside. That's what happens in Indiana. And so we, he rode the bike around and he just, he couldn't do it. Like an eight-year-old riding around, he's falling over. And like my daughter is four, she's flying by him. The neighbor kid, he's riding like a madman with no training wheels. He's like three years younger than Jake. And he was embarrassed. He's like, I can't do it, dad. I just can't do it. I don't know why. I just, the bike's not for me. And I said, Jake, um, I know that you can learn how to ride a bike because every kid can do it. And so began to talk to him about it. You have no physical reason that you shouldn't be able to, so let's, let's do this. And I could not believe it. It actually blew me away. Within an hour, he was riding by himself all over the neighborhood. And, and all he needed was just to really believe that he could learn how to ride this thing. And once he started getting a taste of it, it was contagious, man. Then, now he's asking all the time if he could go outside and ride his bike. And it took a little bit of like guiding him, right? Like I held the seat and I did the whole thing and I run around. I'm like, my back's hurting. I'm too old for this. I don't want to do this. I want to go inside and sit down and play on my phone. But instead, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to start being a parent. And it was awesome to see what he did. I want to tell you that your good heavenly father doesn't want to just teach you how to ride a bike. He believes, he believes, according to scripture in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I mentioned it throughout the New Testament. He believes that you can actually become the person he created you to be. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. We all, we all make mistakes. You're going to continue to make mistakes. But I'm going to tell you, the person I am today and the person I was at 19 years old when I surrendered my life to Christ are pretty different people. Not just because of age, because God begins to develop you. You begin to understand and know him more. You fall in love with him more. He shows up more. I continue to have struggles and we always will this side of heaven. But you can see God develop you and become more and more like the person he desires you to be. And you have to ask yourself that question, do I believe that? Because many people, you feel like I'm, I've tried to be that good Christian, and I've gone to the church, and I've listened to the pastor, and I've done the things. I went to a group one time. I did the whole thing, but I never, ever am going to be one of those Christians who actually live that out in my life. I'm never going to see that addiction be gone. I'm never going to see God be the God of my family, the God of my finances, the God of my career. I'm never going to see those things. I'm just going to try and get into heaven. That's what I want to do. I want to tell you, you are really like a good heavenly father. He wants to tell you that you can do so much more, but not because of your great willpower. You can do it because he's real and he's enough. And so if you believe that that he's enough in 2017, I'm going to move really quickly and I'm going to show you through this passage in Exodus 16 and Numbers 11 how he demonstrated to the Israelites when they became frustrated that he really was enough if they would just trust him. Would that be cool? Okay, here we go. The first point I want to make, if you're taking notes, he's enough in 2017 that you need to celebrate what he's already provided for you and what he's already provided for us as a church. Look at verses four and five with me. So they're grumbling and they're complaining, and here's what happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. That is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. You know, it's some of you that know a little bit about the Bible. You remember manna in the Old Testament? That's what this is. Literally, manna means what is it? They didn't never seen it before. They didn't know what it was. And every morning they would wake up and there'd be little Pop-Tarts on the desert floor for them. And they would gather them in and their, their family would have a nice little meal there, a nice little breakfast together. And God sustained them with something. They didn't even know what it is. Bread from heaven, manna, what is it? I don't know, but let's eat it. And that's what they did. And God provided for them day in and day out. And guess what? On the sixth day, he brought twice as much so that you could still have a day of rest. He's enough. And yet the Israelites, they're going to have that happen. And in a moment, you're going to see that they still begin to grumble because he didn't, I don't want to just eat that every day. That's boring. I want more. And that's how it often works with us in our humanness. We see God show up and it's never enough. And what happens next, I, um, I get excited about because you see in the, the picture I'm going to put up there of the wilderness of sin or the desert of sin, you can see a little map. It's an actual place. We believe it was in that location over here as they're moving throughout the wilderness. They're in the middle of the desert, barren land. And God is providing them picture. You wake up every morning and you got the little flakes all over the ground and you get to eat and you're sustained and you're taken care of. And we should remember and celebrate that. In fact, the Jewish communities for generations will have a festival called the Festival of Booths. You can read about, or Tabernacles, you can read about it in Exodus 24, where they were to remember how God provided for them while they were in the wilderness. You remember the what is it, the manna? You remember how we had the same clothes for 40 years and yet we didn't get holes in it? Your jeans you wore all that time, you wanted some holes in it, but they didn't happen because God provided. It was a miracle. He took care of them in the wilderness. He provided. He doesn't just provide for you and for me. He has provided for our church. And one of the greatest things for my personal faith has been putting ourselves in a position where God had to show up and then he does. And then you get to, it expands your faith and it's contagious. Just like when you learn to ride that bike, you want to go do it again and again. I, I, I want to do it more and more. I want to see God show up more and more and more. That we're celebrating that after five years, God has created a thriving church when it shouldn't have happened. When we were six months into the pre-launch before we started services at Clay Middle School and we just started in our living room, we lost our son, Jackson, and, and some of you guys know the story, and we lived in a hospital for a couple weeks and we didn't plant a church for like a month and we just thought it was like, why did we move here? We knew that God called us, but like maybe we should give up on this thing. And I want to tell you, God sustains you when you lean into him. And through that, we had this little church that started meeting at Clay Middle School in Carmel. And then over the last five years, just began to reach people for Christ and seeing people who didn't have a church home get uh, invited into a local church. And then other Christians started hearing about it and get involved in their communities that we're giving away resources, that we want to be a church that if we no longer existed, those who weren't Christian would miss it. And as we've done that, we've seen God begin to connect people, and all of a sudden, there is a, a thriving church, and we talk about things like uh, the church owns a building, that you know, a $2.5 million property that we're going to have paid off. We have a plan to have it paid off within 10 years. Like, that is insane. And yet God has seen us through as we've just been faithful to him.
And, and more importantly than finances or buildings that we often get fixated on or churches, we have literally seen people who didn't know Christ come to know Jesus, see their lives begin to be changed, and then go out and start whole ministries to change their communities and their world for Christ. And some of them have become separate 501c3s. And we look back and it had nothing to do with a person on the stage providing those things. It had to do with God being real and being enough and showing up. And so we remember and we celebrate all that he has done, the friendships that he has provided, the neighborhoods that have been loved, the school children who have been provided for, the families in need who now are not, the marriages that have been amended and we're, we're going to celebrate his abundance that he has provided as we head into 2017. He's enough. He's been enough. And he will be enough. And he was enough for the Israelites. And yet, like so many, we can always begin to grumble because there's something else that we want to move on to. I'm right there with you. I can feel like, God, I want to see more and more and more. But I think it's very important the Israelites did not appreciate it. If you have come and you're hurting and you're lonely and you're depressed and you're empty and you're in pain, he he can provide healing. He can supply community. He can bring peace. He can actually fill the emptiness and take away pain at times. And sometimes he allows the pain to stay and you get to lean into him as you endure that pain together and not alone. It's incredible when we understand that he is enough and we celebrate that. So in 2016, the goals are in your program. For the sake of time, we're not going to go through every single one, but I just want to share with you, uh, we accomplished five of our eight goals, and the others are going to carry over to 2017. We print the goals in the program every year. We have never once accomplished all of our goals. (laughs) They wouldn't be good goals if we accomplished them all, unless God just does a miracle, and that's what we're going to pray happens this next year. But we were just a few people away from hitting our baptism goal for the first time ever, which is incredible. Uh, we actually got to see ourselves not give away 25%, which was our goal. We give away 30% of our resources outside the walls to help those in need and impact local communities and, and plant new churches and change our world for Christ. It's incredible. And our goal is 50% in long term so that my atheist friends who complain about how a church gets a 501c3 and to benefit the local community and you spend all of your resources on buildings and staff um, we can't say that about this church because at some point we're going to half of what comes in is going to go out to change the world for Christ. I think it's very biblical. I can't wait to see how God uses that and changes things in our community. It's been an incredible year. We celebrate that God has provided for us. And now I want to remember number two, remember he has been and will be enough in 2017. He's not just enough in the past. He's enough in the future. So whatever you're facing, it doesn't mean things will be easy. It doesn't mean there won't be pain or sacrifice or suffering. It means that he will be enough in 2017. Look at Numbers 11 now with me. So I read some of Exodus chapter 16. They give a little more detail that I want to highlight in Numbers chapter 11 about the the same story. It says this in Numbers chapter 11 in the Old Testament in verse 4. It says, the rabble with them began to crave other food. It was enough for him in the past. Thanks for the manna. I don't even know what it is, but I'm not hungry anymore, so thank you for that. But I want more. I want more. That's great for the vegetarians, but some of us meat lovers out there, we need some meat, amen? Yeah, come on now. And so again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. 
We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. I'll remember that. And at no cost, also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. God, you, you saved my marriage, but now my marriage has gotten boring. I want something else. I need more. God, you've come in and you reoriented our finances, but you know what? That other person who's a Christian, they've got more. I want more. You can do it so easily, can't you? God, you helped me with that one addiction, but I can't seem to beat this other thing in my life. And what I want to tell you is he wasn't just enough in your past. He's going to be enough in the future. He's going to be enough for our church in 2017. But like so many of us, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm in the same boat. What happened to Moses can happen to any of us. Look at verses 13 to 15 in Numbers 11. It says, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. He becomes overwhelmed, distraught. And the very guy that literally got to put a staff at the Red Sea and watch the walls of water appear now is like, I'm done. I'm done. And it's so easy to have happen to us in our lives. We get overwhelmed. We freak out. We think it's not possible. I've tried before. I've tried to serve others. I've tried to get involved. I've tried to even give financially or even that whole tithing thing. I've tried to help those in need. I've tried to break my addiction habit, but I keep smoking weed. I keep getting back into that same issue I've been struggling with. It's just new year, new me in January, but it's probably not going to last. I want to tell you guys, he is enough. And I want to say it and ask if you believe it, that he is enough, whatever it is that you're facing, that you could actually see that transformed and become more like him. That it's not just something that we say to appease people and we go, yeah, we sing our songs on Sunday and we're, yeah. And then we go back and we don't really see him and believe that he's going to show up in our lives. I want to tell you, we've seen him show up over the last five years and in 2017, we are going to force it that God is going to show up and it's not going to be about a person or a building or anything like that. It's because he's real. His Holy Spirit is with us in the room right now. He's going to be with us when we go out of this building and we're going to see him show up and we're going to go, it's only him. That's what everything cool we ever tried for the church. It never worked. It never worked. People come to us like, hey, what'd you guys do? What's like the secret sauce for church planning? And I tell them like, we tried a lot of things and we usually end up bickering and it never went well. But occasionally, occasionally we just honored him. We lived out the mission that's on all of our programs. It's on the website. It's on our doors. There's a little sign in the hub about it. And it says real simply, live boldly and love deeply. And we lived boldly for Christ. Like Acts chapter 4, the, the early Christians, they lived boldly. And then they got in trouble for it. They actually got thrown into jail. And when they got out of jail, they actually prayed for more boldness. It's crazy. And they saw God show up, that we wouldn't be the suburban church that just appeases ourselves and try and make suburbanites happy and we have nice lattes together, but we actually believe that God is real and he shows up and we're going to live boldly, not angry bullhorn boldly, but like boldly where we expect God to show up and change lives. And then on the other end of that, that we also are going to show the love of Christ to people, that we're not just angry, that we're actually going to love deeply, that we're going to love. Let me tell you a little little trick here. If you really want to be a world changer, all the world changers I ever met didn't just have some great business strategy or plan or program that they were going to implement. They loved people. And when they saw the person in front of them, 
They saw their smile. They saw their tears. And they celebrated and they hurt with that person. And it was all about the person and about relationships. And when you love deeply in your sphere of influence, it's life-changing. And if we do those two things, we, we see God just naturally show up because we put ourselves in a bold place where he has to. And then we've done our job that he said, love God, love others. We're doing it. And he shows up and changes lives. It happens. And the pressure and the weight is taken off of us. He did it in the past with our church. He will continue to do, do it. Do you believe that God can overcome any obst- obstacle to his mission for you? Let me say it again. Do you believe that God can overcome any obstacle to his mission for you? Is he enough? Is he enough to see new outposts started? We got a new outposts starting tonight. Communities on mission impacting their world for Christ. Is he enough to accomplish our goals in 2017? We used to set up and tear down in a school every week. We didn't have a place to do baptisms. This is true. So we used to baptize people in the White River have you been to the White River? As we were baptizing these people, it was literally 35 degrees, just warm enough that it wasn't iced over. When they would go down into the water, they would come back up and couldn't breathe. And I thought, man, the Holy Spirit is strong with this one. I was like, no, it's cold. They literally can't breathe. We need somebody to help them. As we were doing these baptisms, a a hunter rode by in his kayak with his camouflage on and a bow. I thought he was going to shoot us as we were doing baptisms. Like, that's how we used to do things because we didn't have all these luxuries of a building and a baptism tank. But he was enough. And he's still enough. And he's still going to change lives. That was, uh, did anybody notice that great hairstyle I used to have? Wasn't that fantastic? I'm never bringing that back. But (laughs) he's enough. He parted the red seal, or not the red seal, I don't know what the red seal was, but he parted that too. He he parted the Red Sea. He's going to sustain them for 40 years in the desert. He's going to provide for them. He's enough to start a church planning network and raise 110,000. Like we had a bunch come in at the last second, over, like way overdoing our goal of 100,000. It was amazing. Thank you for your generosity. And that's actually going to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches through Multiply Indiana, 100% of it. MultiplyIndiana.com. You can check it out. There are now five churches involved. We're going to be planting a church here in just the next few months down in Broad Ripple uh, through City of Lights Church. And uh, the pastor is going to be here in the next month or so to either lead worship or preach. Uh, He can do both. I can't. He can. Uh, We're also in next August planting Echo Church. Uh, We think it's probably going to be in the Avon area. They're still praying through some of that. Uh, And we may plant more. We'll see. And so we believe that's going to happen. Number two, he's enough to accomplish our goals for 2017. We've never hit them all. Never once. And we probably won't in 2017. But what if we did? What if this was the first year we actually said he's enough and we're going to see it happen? I'm going to move quickly because i got to stay on time here and I want to share these with you. So if you got questions, come to me afterwards because I want to explain them. We just missed our baptism goal for last year. I want to hit it this year. And our goal is to see 75 people who who have had their lives changed, who want to be baptized and follow the Lord. He asks us, if you know him as Savior and Lord, to be baptized. It represents you have died with Christ and you've risen with him. It doesn't bring salvation, but it represents that you know Jesus Christ. That we want to see 75 people get baptized. And there's a little theme here about 75, so you're actually going to remember them this year. These are two carryovers that we want to see 75% of people in an outpost and participating in community on mission. And we are now going to have three full-time pastors, uh, Nick and, and Dana, 
And now I'm going to get back involved with the outposts to, to see those just really thrive. And we've seen the most amazing things in our church have happened through our outposts. And so we want to enable that even more. 75% of people serving in some capacity in a couple of weeks. Next Sunday, we're starting a new teaching series called DIY about how to actually live your faith out and build it in 2017. Pastor Darren's going to be here to kick it off. We're going to talk about how to study the Bible and pray and fast and worship and serve. And if you want to be serving in some capacity, you're going to get an opportunity to do that. And that we want to see 750 people in discipling relationships we call discipleship huddles. At this church, you can't sign up for our discipleship huddle. We do have a rooted program that you can sign up for. But our discipleship huddles, we do it the way that Jesus did it, which was it was invite organic. You invited somebody you knew and said, hey, come and follow me as I follow the Lord. And so that's what we've done. And we've stuck with it over two years now. We have well over our goal of 30 discipleship huddles starting in in this year. It's incredible. We're going to be discipling hundreds of people. And our goal is by the end of the year that we'll be discipling over 750 people. That means next year, the stuff works exponentially. We will be discipling thousands of people, regardless of whether they're worshiping with us on Sunday. That's the beauty of discipleship. If you are interested in joining a discipleship huddle and you haven't been invited yet, that's the biggest thing we've gotten. We know it's a slow process, so stick with us. We have provided rooted and outposts, and there's other ways to get plugged in. Uh, But we all are now creating a list that's actually number six. I skipped ahead. Discipleship huddle leaders, we want to resource them. We want to resource and connect our huddle leaders more, and we want our discipleship huddles. Uh, if you are interested in joining one, we're creating a list of people because we're finding people that want to huddle and disciple people, but they don't know who to ask yet, and maybe they could get to know you and find out if it's a good fit. So if you're interested in that, fill out a connect card this morning, and we'd love to collect those. We can't promise it'll be soon, but we're going to get you in one. And we're going to see over 750 people disciple. Number five, our outpost starter here kit. We want to see that created. Say, hey, here is how you start an outpost. Here is how you discover a mission. And here is how you change your community. Number seven, this is a big one. Our Saturday night services that we're going to launch in the fall of 2017. We usually pray about this. One of the things Dana Byers is going to be doing is she's going to oversee the launch team to start Saturday night services beginning in the fall of 2017. And so uh, at this service, I'd actually ask if you do fill out a Connect card, if you haven't already, you can drop it in the basket on the doors on the way out or at the Connect Center. But right on there, if you're interested in the Saturday night service and you're interested in joining that launch team or getting more information, fill that out. It won't be until next fall, so we got plenty of time, but fill that out so we can kind of get an idea of how many people are going to start being interested in that. And then finally, our giving goal, uh, we gave away 30% in 2016, which was 5% more than our goal was. This year, our goal was 30 35%. And over the next seven years now, we're going to get to 50% uh, from then on. So pray big about that. And we're going to do all of this, guys, while here's the thing. If he is enough in the past, he is enough in the future. And we're going to show that this church didn't get started because of a personality or because Eric is a fantastic worship leader. Yes, but that's not why lives are being changed. It's because God is real and he works and he is enough to change lives. We're going to do all this this year, and I'm excited to share with you. Some of you knew this because you saw something online. Um, The church won a a big grant to fund a sabbatical for my wife, Lisa, and I. And so beginning on Mother's Day weekend through the 1st of August, we're going to get to go on a three-month sabbatical together, which is going to be awesome. And I'll tell you, it's not because anything wrong is going on. That's the best part. Everything's going great. I don't even want to leave. I love my wife. I love my kids. Three months of not being involved in the church, it's going to be painful for me. 
It's going to like pulling stuff out. It's going to be so hard. But I'm telling you, in the health of the church, it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to come back super rested in August, and we're going to launch Saturday night services, and we're going to see our world change for Christ. And all these things are going to happen because this church isn't based on any person or abilities. It's changed by Jesus Christ because he is real, and he changes lives, and he's enough. I bet you anything, guys. I bet you if you believe that during those three months, you will actually see the church grow. You will see people more involved. You will see more people serving. You will see our communities changed even more because he is enough. Pray for us on it. It's going to be super cool. Uh, we get to take the kids for nine weeks, and then my wife and I get to, we're, the, the grant pays for everything. They're paying for us to do this church history thing through Europe for three weeks. It's going to be amazing. We've never been able to do anything like that. Um, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful for me. And we're going to have to not be in contact, which is going to be really, really hard, 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 hard uh, for us. So pray for us on the, all of that. He is enough. Amen. Amen. Okay. I was just checking. Just checking. Okay. Um, I got to wrap this up. The third and final point, no obstacle is too big for him. Here's what I want to show you. In Numbers chapter 11, read verses 31 and 32. They get overwhelmed. They get frustrated. They say, oh, man, but oh, we're not going to be able to do this. I can't change my life. That new me, new year thing, it's going to go out the window in a few weeks. No, he's enough. Look what he does to show off in verse 31. Now, a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. <laughs> Could you picture that? Like all of a sudden, Alfred Hitchcock movie birds are coming in from the sea. That freaked me out. Into the middle of the desert. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp. Oh, that's no big deal. It's only two cubits. Two cubits is three feet high. Three feet high all around the camp of quail. You wanted some meat? Not just Arby's that has the meats, baby. <laughs> the Lord is going to provide three feet of it, and it says, verse 32, every direction they went it was, verse 32, all that day and night all, and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. That's nothing to do with the cartoon show. 10 homers is 1.75 tons, tons of quail. Do you think he was enough? And then the best part of the story is, he says, ah, just wanted to show you what I could do. But um, since you guys didn't believe me, you're disobedient, I'm going to take it all from you. And you start believing that I can sustain you and I can provide for you and that I'm enough no matter what you're facing. He doesn't just want to teach you how to ride a bike. He wants you to believe that you can change your life. And when you do, it comes, becomes contagious and you want to go around and you don't want to stop doing it. You want people to see how real God is, how he changes lives and he changes hearts all the time. In 2017, he's going to be enough not just to accomplish those goals, but so much more if we believe it and we allow him to. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, we just worship you. We thank you that you are enough. God, I pray this year is the greatest year ever. And all the special stuff we got planned for the sabbatical, Pastor Darren's going to do a whole sermon series himself in June. And we're going to have some guest speakers that we'd never be able to have come in, actually come in and be able to speak. And we're going to do some incredible things. But God, I pray that for the first time ever, we meet and exceed all eight goals we're printing in the program all year and that you would use our church, that you would enable us and you empower the priesthood of all believers. And for some of us right now, 
We are facing some difficult things. Some of us, we want to know you. We want our life to mean something, uh, but we've never given you in our lives fully or surrendered our life to you. And maybe now is the opportunity to say, you are enough in my life. I accept you. I ask for your forgiveness. I am redeemed by your grace. And now I desire to live for you. If that's you in the room right now, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I declare that you are enough in my life. No matter what I'm facing this year, I'm gonna become the person you desire me to be. And so I surrender my life to you fully. Use me, Lord Jesus, for decades to come to change my world for Christ. Lord, we love you. We surrender these people to you. We surrender this year to you. And we declare you're enough. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.